And we are your hosts for today's broadcast, following top news stories of the day. Good, great, grand, wonderful. I have a bad feeling about this. What ain't no country I ever heard of? They speak English and what? It's the good. The bad. And the what? Lost your train of thought, didn't I? <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of The Good, The Bad, and The What, the show in which we dissect what makes a movie good, bad, or other within a certain theme, category, subgenre, or filmography. I'm Ryan Oliver. And I'm Chris Thomas. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm doing okay. Uh, trepidatious, I think, is probably how I describe how I'm feeling right now. That's fair because I was going to say I'm mixed. Uh, I, I, I'm I'm doing great because it's you know it's the holiday season and our house is all decorated and the town mm-hmm. is all decorated and my oldest is of an age where he's like really excited for the magic of the holidays and uh, hell yeah and so so a lot of happy feelings. It's the it's the first day of December that you're listening to this episode. But the reason I mix is because we had to watch all three of these movies. Um, and not only these, which God, what a what a failed experiment this <laughs> this was. Um, we watched a fourth crummy holiday family movie, completely unrelated to this for our corn screen. Yes, uh, we watched Santa with Muscles, the infamous Santa with Muscles, which was a, a, a absolute nightmare. Um, and then watched... best of the four. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I guess take your pick. I I, I don't know, but. These were your picks, so yes. I'm gonna pass it over to you to, to discuss this a little bit. These are these are all holiday movies, family movies. Yes, all three of these are family oriented movies in which a, uh, a preoccupied father elsewhere needs to learn a valuable lesson to spend more time with their kids. Uh, hence, why we've we've uh, titled this episode uh, "Deadbeat, Divorced, and Deceased," uh, which is a pretty apt description uh, of all three line for each for for each (laughs) well i guess deceased only really works for uh one but uh, yes yeah that's true um (laughs) and we'll get into it because deadbeat works for two of them yes uh but uh, yeah as you said it was a failed experiment and i this might be a weird one in that we've had episodes in the past before where we've said like yes it's a good bad what and we've chosen a good bad what but the good is relative these are all bad movies and this is another situation where i would say pretty confidently that these are all bad movies however what makes this one different this time around is that going into it based off of memory based Mm -hmm. off of uh critical reception based off of audience reception and uh like the the success and longevity of at least one of these movies we sort of stack the movies in a good, bad, what category, but then upon watching them, I would say I'm still currently at a toss up as to which I would put into the good, bad or what list. And it may not be until the end of this episode when we've had time to discuss that I will be able to make a determination. Honestly, I'm I'm pretty much in the same boat with the exception of I'm very confident of where my what would land even okay. though I found all of these movies similarly very not enjoyable to, not, <laughs> to not sit through, good. Uh, not good, not fun, um, miserable in some respects. 
Yes. Um, <laughs> but uh, but there but there's one that I feel very confident of being like, well, this has something going on. I don't know what, but but enough to make me go like, okay, I'll put I would I would call that a what pretty confidently. Yeah. But but yeah, I think I know which exactly which one you're talking about. We can go ahead and do the introductions. Pretty sure you're talking about jingle all the way. Um but I could probably introduce these out of order because who gives a shit? Uh, but we'll just do it uh, in what our original order was, but then we'll have the conversation in that order and then we'll just come to a determination at the end how we feel. Um, but for our first movie, uh, we chose The Santa Claus um, from 1994, directed by John Pasquin. Um, for our second movie, we chose Jack Frost from 1998, not the Jack Frost we previously talked about on right. the show. Um, directed by Troy Miller. And then, of course, the one I already mentioned, Jingle All the Way from 1996, directed by Brian Levant. Um, I, I mean, I'm at a point right now, without further ado, we can just uh, jump right into it if you wanted to get right into the Santa Claus. Let's just take the Band-Aid off and, and do I... it. <laughs> Dad, what the clatter? Somebody's on the roof. Maybe it's Santa. Not now, Charlie. This Christmas, Scott Calvin's getting into the spirit the only way he can. Hey, you! (laughs) By accident. If something should happen to me, put on my suit. The reindeer will know what to do. He's Santa. You killed him. Did not. So the Santa Claus uh, from 1994. Uh, the quick synopsis I wrote up: On Christmas Eve, a mishap leads to the accidental death of Santa Claus, and due to a legal oversight, deadbeat dad Scott Calvin, played by Tim Allen, is ordained the new Santa Claus. Um, Ryan, I will kick it over to you. Do you have any history or backstory with the Santa Claus? I mean, not an extensive one. I saw it when I was a kid. I think I saw it in the movie theater. Um, and we had it on VHS and, and it was a movie we watched, I don't know about every Christmas, but we watched it pretty consistently, like around, like, you know, subsequent holidays and, and, uh, whatnot. And, um, you know, I liked it at the time, but like, you know, what, what, what kid is, you just, you usually like whatever you are Mm. being told to watch. And, you know, Tim Allen, of course, at this time was, you know, home improvement was the biggest sitcom on television, um, <laughs> exactly. Boom. Boom. Um, so it's like you know, I watched a little home improvement here and there because my parents watched it. Um, you know, the year after this, of course, he would go on to voice Buzz Lightyear in Toy Story, right. which was which was a favorite, very favorite of mine growing up. Um, you know, and uh, I did see. You know, you mentioned longevity because, like, yeah, this movie spawned two sequels. Um, and, 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 like, did well. Like, the second one, this movie made a shitload of money. Uh, made, like, $150 million domestically in 1994, which is insane. And then the second one made about that, came out, it was, like, a long gap sequel. It came out in 2002, mm-hmm. um, which I saw that one because I, I I probably wasn't that interested to go see it. I would have been 12 uh, at that point versus four when this movie came out. But right. I do, have, But I do have a younger sister who's four years younger than me. So it's like, you know, it was the family movie out. So and then they made the third one where um, I think uh, Martin Short plays Jack Frost in that yeah. one. I, I did not see that one because um, th- at that point there was no reason to because I was like, I'm 16 and I can go to the movies by myself and there's no way I'm watching that. Yeah, that's not the one I'm going <laughs> to pick. And then there's 
two seasons of a Disney Plus series. The second season just, like, landed on Disney Plus. So mm-hmm. they're still making these goddamn things. I it's be, got legs. I shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't be taking the Lord's name in vain on uh, our Christmas episode. <laughs> but <laughs> needless to say, so my history was we watched it as a kid. I liked it as a kid. I haven't seen this movie in probably over 20 years. Probably right. probably more, if I'm being completely honest. Probably not since I was old enough to watch things like Christmas Vacation or, mm-hmm. like, A Christmas Story and yeah. Gremlins that, like, this didn't, you know, this just slowly was weeded out of the, the holiday uh, rotation. So I haven't seen this movie in a very long time. But what about you? What's your history with the Santa Claus? Uh, I don't really have one. I, I've seen it. I think the first time I saw the Santa Claus was on TV. It was on like TBS or something. And, mm-hmm. and again, as a kid, just the holiday season, it's one of those channels that's like 13 days of Christmas or whatever. And they just play back to back to back to back movies. So I saw it as a kid. It was never a staple of mine. I didn't really know anybody who really liked this movie a whole lot. But I mean, as you said, watching it as a kid, there's elves there's fun Christmassy stuff going on and so like that's the sort of stuff that you absorb and you remember liking but I didn't remember anything about this movie and then very similar to you it probably has been 20 plus years since I've seen the Santa Claus uh, between then and now and like that's what I drew from was just like well I remember there being like reindeer and some fun like wacky stuff where they go to the North Pole and some like questionable CGI like mid 90s CGI um, mm. so it'll at least you know be fun and like it like you said it spawned two motion picture sequels it's got two ser- like television series going on still I think they're, they're even yeah. doing new episodes currently so it's like okay well it's got some level of success maybe the first one was like that like good um, that they can continue pumping these out um spoiler alert the santa claus kind of sucks it does kind of suck which is wild because like i was looking at the like the rotten tomato score which we often say like take with a huge grain of salt especially in the wake of that article coming out about like inflated scores however Mm. however that's really applicable to like the last decade of movies these were all movies in the mid to late 90s so it's like whatever that score is is pretty probably solidly indicative of it like right. i feel really confident and this one had far and away the highest of the three movies that we're talking about it's got like a 73 and versus the other two are like 19 and 20 percent like they're they're low oh. and i found it to be no real better or worse than the next two movies we're going to talk about as well no. I, I i i will say to go back to what you were saying a little bit about the Christmassy stuff, which is which is hilarious to me because yes, the dodgy CGI, yes, the North Pole, which some of that stuff, big sets looks really cool, but it reminded yeah. me of like it reminded me of like a Roger Corman sci-fi movie where like there'd be like two scenes in the front and the back that are uh, set in like the sci-fi world, and then the rest would take place on Earth. <laughs> because of budgetary concerns and so that's what it reminded me of a little bit where it's like you see the north pool in the first third of the movie and then you see it in the last third of the movie when he goes to you know accept his new role as a santa claus and then then the whole midsection of the movie is a bunch of fucking like him uh, going to work and shit him going to work it's like a a a domestic divorce drama a, a court uh, like you know, who who has uh, like court ordered time with the judge son. Reinhold? Judge Judge Reinhold, an executioner, is in this movie. Um, 
and uh all the you know all that and all the like yeah the divorce drama the gaslighting the fat yeah. shaming the like yeah the, just a lot of that all of that stuff where i'm just like i like i remembered this like i i watched it enough probably more than you did based talking on our experiences that i remembered all the big beats of the movie like i i remember mm-hmm. you know him turning into santa like some cronenbergian like body horror (laughs) like that's the thing this movie is like terrifying too it's it's weird how many types of movies are in this movie and none of them are particularly good except for to go back to what we said about the north pole i would say my misgiving on tim allen's performance aside which you know maybe we could get into here a little bit i think the first third of this movie just by sheer like Christmas magic alone is probably the best section of these three movies. Oh, sure. But, but I really did not enjoy anything from the time they returned to the North pole on. Uh, yeah. it, it was, it was really, really miserable to sit through. <laughs> yeah. If it would have kept that pace, then I, absolutely. I, yeah. I would have been on board with it. I, I mean, we can get into sort of the dodgy performance of, of Tim Allen. Yeah, um, it's like low rent Chevy Chase. Like that—that's yes. always how I felt his his performance. Like, you know, I, I feel I, like that's his character. It's been a long time since I've seen Home Improvement, but like my favorite parts of Home Improvement were like was Wilson. Yeah, Wilson's or, the best. Or, or Al. Yeah, it was not Tim. No, Tim Tim Allen, and and it, I wouldn't say that Tim Allen is bereft of like like good performances. I like him as Buzz Lightyear. I've always thought sure. that voice work was really solid and I still think it is even all through the all four movies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I I like Galaxy Quest as well, which oh, I'm sure we'll yeah, probably yeah. have to But he's like perfect for that role, right? Because he's basically playing William Shatner and mm-hmm. William Shatner was a bit of a egotist, uh might still be actually. Um and he, you know, he's a good actor but like maybe not like the but he was perfect for that and so like tim allen also being a tv actor coming from home improvement like it just it fit i i think he did that role and it asked for that character to be smarmy like right and you know grow towards the end of it but um but it works for that but it's like he's supposed to be I, i like he's supposed to be this warm loving father even when he becomes warm and loving after afterwards it still really like not comes across as sincere. It's it's no. very strange, um, and that's the thing. Like Chevy Chase, who you know, I mean, it's been well documented as a real life asshole. Um, so yeah. his so his persona isn't really too far from the tree, but it was a less you know, but it was like an exaggerated comedic performance. But like Chevy Chase was actually funny at least a lot of the time. He had good yeah. he had good timing. Are uh, you talking about like? Christmas vacation. I'm talking about Christmas like, vacation. I'm yeah, talking yeah. about like uh, anything. Well, I mean, all Ca- the vacations. All the vacations. Fletch, Fletch Caddyshack. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he he just has he just had that really Community? like. Yeah, I've never watched Community, but um, oh uh, yeah, I love Community. Yeah, I I know you're a big fan. I I I should watch it one of these days. But um, but the dude had like timing and but he he had a smarminess to him but he had really good timing versus mm-hmm. tim allen has the smarminess but it just like it just falls flat and it's a lot of like dad jokey which i feel like has mm-hmm. always been that his shtick like even home improvement is that too um yeah and so it just it, it just never i never buy his performance which is like 
one of the biggest issues of the movie. Forget like the tonal mishaps throughout the movie. It's like I never buy Tim Allen's performance in it, which is a big problem in a movie where he's the lead actor. The lead? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, uh, I mean, I was going to say even like Chevy Chase, he does that smarmy theme, but if you're looking like for the, the direct comparison to the Christmas Vacation uh, uh, movie, he actually is a loving father and he wants nothing more than to give his entire family a, a magical Christmas experience. And even in vacation, he wants to give them a magical summer vacation. Like he's yes. always coming from the best and warmest place of his heart, even though you know, circumstances don't align. And, and even... The frustrations that he runs into and feels he always approaches it as a kind-hearted man. The cousin Eddie showing up on Christmas Eve without him expecting that his entire family is going to be there. He listens to cousin Eddie tell him like how he's like you know down and they didn't get enough money that season. And he wanted to give his kids a, a Christmas and Clark's like, you know, your family. Like yeah. welcome on in. We'll make you like we'll set you a place at the table. Yeah. Like he's a good guy. We don't get that from Tim Allen in this movie. You're right. He's and, put out by everybody, including his son. Well, that's the thing. Like, the frustrations that, that befall uh, Clark Griswold, Chevy Chase, in, in that are all, like you said, circumstantial. And they're never at, at his family's expense, at least not his immediate family. Like, yes, there's the anxieties of both sides of the family being there. And, like, Beverly D'Angelo's side of the family giving him a hard time. Right. And his uh, yuppie neighbors, Julia Louis-Dreyfus and the other guy. And, uh, mm. you know, but, like, all his frustration, he never pointed at the kids. It's either pointed, like, self-inflicted, or it's to, like, his neighbors, uh, you know, the, where are you going to put a tree that big? Bend over and I'll show you. I'll show you. Yeah. <laughs> or, uh, uh, or to Brian Doyle Murray, his boss. Yes, yeah, his boss. <laughs> at the end of the movie. You know, so it's it's all reflected there. And so it's like, like, this guy, he comes in hot, like, frustrated against uh, 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 Judge Reinhold, who's, who's his wife, uh, ex-wife's new husband, boyfriend, I think husband, I think. I, are they married? I, I don't know. Sure it's not that. clear. It's yeah. they never, but but new partner. I, either way, like he's the guy. He's like, the guy. For he's, all intents and purposes, he's the new he's the guy, guy in the picture. And 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 Tim Allen's uh, Scott Calvin, his character's name, doesn't like that uh, Judge Reinhold. He's a psychiatrist and doesn't like that he's teaching his son these. Like really doesn't like that he's teaching him to be in tune with his feelings and like think through things logically. Like right. I, I, like. I don't know. This sounds like pretty good advice. Some of it's a little like, you know, let, let a kid be a kid. I understand right. that portion of it, but most of the stuff that's happening is actually like pretty sound advice. And, uh, and then Tim Allen is just like mad because he's the, the new guy and, and it's not the, I don't know. It's like, it doesn't really, but it doesn't like that, but it makes sense, I guess, why he would be frustrated. This person, let's take even the it's for us just just taking out that frustration of like, I'm divorced, I messed up, whatever. But he continues that lashing out against his ex wife and continues that mm -hmm. lashing out against his kid. Like, um, there's like one good sight gag in the beginning of the movie, um, like where basically his son gets dropped off. And he doesn't want to be there. Like, that's the thing. He doesn't want to be there. And, and honestly, frankly, Tim Allen doesn't seem like he wants to be there either. He it, He's not prepared. And it's like Christmas Eve. It's Christmas and Eve. He, like, it's Christmas Eve. Didn't put any thought or, th like, there's no, like, hey, son, I got you, like, a big present. Or, like, 
They go to Denny's? Isn't that where they go? Well, so he goes to cook him a big feast. And I was going to say, that was actually, that uh, site gag I found hilarious. I actually laughed once in this movie. um, Where it's like, White Christmas is playing, and it's a beautiful, like, camera pan across this, like, nice table. And it dollies out, and it's the television. And then it's the same tracking shot. And then it goes to the table at their house, and it looks exactly the same, minus the big turkey. And Tim Allen's back there with a fire extinguisher, putting out a, like, very large burst into flame turkey. And I was like, okay, that's that's an actually good sight gag you planned like, out a sight gag yeah and, like, and you yeah, executed yeah. it and and i was like you know what kudos kudos but yes for the plot wise he didn't have that planned so they uh so they go to denny's um and it's like he's at denny's with um like everyone else there is a bunch of other dads like seemingly divorced dads with their kids who like one guy's got bandages all over his hands because he burnt the turkey as well like that's the joke mm. that's like ah you too huh uh, isn't yeah. that funny that we didn't like prepare a secondary option? Uh, that Single fathers are inept. Ha 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 ha. Yeah, that trope. Being a father now made me like extra angry at these three movies and especially two of these movies of just like, mm-hmm. I was just like, man, like just so many things wrong uh, all, all the way around. Like you don't want to parent shame, but at the same time, it's like you gotta, uh, it made me angry. <laughs> I was talking to Megan about that while we were watching the movie. It was just like, I forgot that that was such a big trope of like, not just in the nineties in, in the eighties too, of just like the husband is just a, a adult who is completely incapable of doing things like housekeeping or cooking or remembering to, to do chores around the house. And they're just obsessed with sports and they don't give a shit about their kids or their wife. And it's just like, why was this a trope for the longest time that the husband is just a perpetually a fucking asshole? <laughs> yeah, I don't understand. And also, like, because, I mean, you know, we don't need to bear all, like, you know, personal stuff out here. But it's like, that wasn't my life experience. Like, my dad was there coaching basketball games. And yeah. there the stuff. It's like, I didn't have that experience either. So I'm just like, you know, I'm uh, enough people must have, which I feel really sorry and bad for people who had, yeah, especially you know, kids who had that experience. That really sucks. So, you know, that's a crummy experience. So I guess why, you know, I guess, you know, art has to imitate life and it's got to be relatable, but also like why reopen those wounds via like mm. children's movies, which is also funny, like not to tangent, but I was just briefly doing some research prior to this. This was going to be a Hollywood pictures release, which was another Buena Vista studio uh disney owned studio but it tested the test scores were well with children this movie tested well with children that they decided to pivot it under the walt disney banner hmm. um it's like the opposite of nightmare before christmas where yeah, yeah. it was too dark so they're like oh, throw it on touchstone <laughs> yeah and now it's a big cult hit so they're like ah no bring it back bring it back no no and it's actually disney the entire time yeah uh, wink wink yeah <laughs> so so it's really strange like it, you know and i guess i liked it as a kid too but i i, I gotta imagine it's all the the actual christmas stuff so to, to mm-hmm. you know they get home um they come home and uh there's a you know rumble on the roof well he reads him the the was the night before christmas yeah 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 exactly and rose such a clatter uh which they have a whole dialogue exchange about what that means what's a clatter which honestly like you know what that's like the of of like parent kid interaction in this movie that was like one of the most accurate things because kids will ask you 
everything. And he, yeah. like, <laughs> and he just wants to go to bed. They're just like, it's, yeah. it's noise. <laughs> yeah. Which, like, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, we've, like, I was like, this is the only time you've been somewhat relatable in this whole movie. It's like, yeah, the kids will ask you everything and you're ready to go to bed. I get, I get that. I understand that part of it. Um, but there is an actual clatter uh, on the roof. And, you know, Tim Allen thinks that it's a burglary. Like, rightfully so, I get. Like, that would probably be the first thing yeah, you would You're not going to immediately be like, it's Santa Claus. Yeah, you'd be like, it's, a, it's, it's <laughs> someone's breaking into the house. And uh, then they come out. The real Santa Claus is up on the roof. And Tim Allen shouts at him and he slips and falls and picks up a card uh, that says like, yeah, (laughs) but does he really that would like they gloss over that for the fact that it's a kid's movie. They don't really explicitly like, like who buried him? Well, because he disappears in between shots and there's a, there's a shot when they, when he takes like the, the card from his jacket and walks away there's a shot of the Santa Claus taking his his hand out of the snowbank and doing like a bye bye like motion, uh-huh. and then next time they look back, it's just a suit. So he he did like an Obi Wan Kenobi and like disappeared. Uh, so like it, it's not exactly clear, like because the card that he gets basically says that like well he doesn't know this at the time, but it basically says like put on the suit, put on the suit, so put on the suit, go to the sleigh, the reindeer will know what to do. Right, um, so that's what it says. Yeah, uh, so that's what they do at that point, and then they go through and and through the magic, he goes down chimneys, which that's some of that dodgy mid nineties CGI, um, which is fine, but it's fine, like honestly, but yeah. but it but it's an awesome like what if scenario, and I I see why that played well with kids. Like, what if you went to go fly around and deliver presents to kids all over the world in the rain? You, you and your dad flying, yeah, like like yeah. cool, like that, and that's like the only magic I think this movie conjures. And then they get to the actual North Pole and use the elves and the set, like that. That's really good stuff, too. I was going to say, not to tangent again, but um, the Santa Claus. It's what we do here. But it's what we do here. When I, I thought I like your Obi-Wan comparison, but I thought of, uh, did you ever watch Portlandia? Oh, not all of it, but some of it. Okay. Yeah. Did you ever see the cabinet of Dr. Kelgari sketch? I didn't, okay. but I heard I need to watch it. So basically, Fred Armisen uh, like moves in like a neighborhood and he's trying to get Carrie Brownstein uh is character of this sketch to watch the cabinet of dr calgary like he keeps pressing he keeps pressing keeps pressing and then she finally gives into watching it and she watches it and he goes like i'm free i'm finally free and then she's all in like the down like goth type of stuff and it's like oh, it's no. like it follows like she's gonna pass it on <laughs> like next... he's wanting to pass it on <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly and so that's what i need the alternate cut of this one where like the person who was previously santa claus is like i'm free i'm finally free <laughs> sucker because <laughs> that's that's basically what like you said that the card says that at this time once they get yeah. to the north pole and they meet bernard played by david grumholtz uh the young david grumholtz um He's like the lead elf. David Krumholtz, who should be nominated for an Oscar this year, David Krumholtz, for Oppenheimer. He's fantastic in... in oh, I thought movie. you were going to say for season two of The Santa Claus. Oh, no, I don't know. Is he in it? I have no idea. <laughs> I, I don't know, because I haven't Probably watched not. it. Hopefully not. But he was in Oppenheimer, and I like barely recognized him, but uh, yeah. he's fantastic in it. But um, but yeah, he they, they bring a magnifying glass to the card that basically says, like, once you put on the suit you've now forfeited your right of your like previous existence. And you now are the new Santa Claus and you have until next November to get your affairs in order. Right. And so, which is like, 
Oh, well, so first that that's the that's the clause with the with e. The e, yes, that's a pun. In the Santa Claus, yeah, uh, is that he didn't read the legal paperwork. So it's it's like skipping to the end of like, do you acknowledge that you read this? And you're like, in the terms of service, you're like, yeah, fuck it, whatever. Yeah, and then hidden in there is like, you're you're cursed. Yeah. It's a, like there's like an actual literal curse on your head now that you are Santa Claus. It's the South Park episode with the Apple agreement where like you didn't read yes. to the end and they get sewed into a human centipede. Um, yeah, yeah exactly. it's, it's like that, ex- except for, ki- you know, for kids. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you, you, he didn't read to the end, didn't read the fine print. And then they wake up at home the next day. He's in these like satin jammies. Uh, monogrammed, monogrammed. Santa Claus jammies. They say yeah. SC. Um, but his initials are Scott Calvin. So it's like his name. So they're like, oh, no, that, that's what happened. And, um, you know, his son says like, oh, you got him from Judy, who was like one of the elves there. And yeah, of course yeah. the mom's like, who was also the name of the waitress. So like, there's yeah. this weird back and forth for like a period of the movie where, or Scott Calvin isn't sure what he experienced was a dream or not, even though he has shared memories with his son as to what happened. And like, you're right that this is the point of the movie where it just gets like really boring i wish that they either would have leaned heavy into the cronenberg-esque thing and it would have been a long continuous like did you ever see the movie thinner or read the book i know of it yeah i i yes it should have been like that of of like daily life but then we see like the sort of the ticking of the clock forward and things get worse and weirder as it goes on mm-hmm. as he's sort of transforming and having problems with like turning in like just go full body horror because yeah. what we get instead of like continuing divorce drama between this family is just like what happened to the christmas magic I th- it's the worst thing about it because essentially what happens is like uh th- this young son insists on what they had they have like bring your parent to work day for like a career mm-hmm. day and he's like you know my dad's santa claus and you know tim allen tries to backpedal because he's like well i think he meant to say i'm like santa claus because he's a sales exec at a toy company um right so that he's like i'm like santa claus i take you know toys you know to kids all over the world yada 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 so he tries to backpedal he's got tom these... hanks's job from big he's got tom hanks yeah he's got tom hanks's job from big yeah exactly um but then he starts becoming you know, he becomes like the Cronenbergian body horror starts looking like Santa. And then everyone starts being like, well, you're changing your appearance to appeal to this fantasy that your son has. This is really psychologically damaging. Like people say those exact words in this movie. That's for children. I just want to remind people yet again, that this is a children's movie. But again, your revelation that this was not meant to be a Disney movie until it was. Yeah. Some of this stuff in the middle starts to make more sense. A little it's as, really an adult drama with some kids in it. That's the yeah, and, and some Christmas magic. And that's that's mm-hmm. that's about it. Like it's it's it, you know, to the point where like they they go they go to file an order to where Scott Calvin would lose his visitation rights. And it's granted. Um and then to make matters worse, like um, they go to see, he goes, breaks his order to see his son after he's really started fully embracing the fact that like, yet yeah, this is my life. I am, I am Santa Claus now. So I, I am Santa. I, I have to yeah. go to the North pole and I have to do this. Um, is that, uh, he basically kidnaps his son. Like, yes, his son yeah. wants to go to the North pole, but it's like, he's gone for like a month from, from like Thanksgiving to Christmas Eve. 
That's kidnapping. I'm sorry. Hey, we, we get like cross cuts uh, of the police, his mom and Judge Reinhold, like being worried sick and being like, yeah. my insane ex-husband has kidnapped my like. Yep. And they call the police. And the to police them, are this like, is a fucking nightmare. They're like, this is a sketch. He thinks he's Santa Claus. And there's a montage of them actually pulling like Salvation Army and like mall, mall and doing lineups. Yeah, with them. Exactly. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, it's it's. It's so insane. It's so insane. Which is especially insane. But like, I know that the, for the sight gag reason that they're trying to do it, but it's like, if one of the Santas in the lineup is literally supposed to be her ex-husband, like she needs visual comparison to be like, oh no, yeah, his nose does kind of look like that. It's like, it's her ex-husband that she has a child with. The lineup is not what you do in this situation yeah, just because they're gonna say uh give me the keys you fucking cocksucker or yeah like. <laughs> cocksucker motherfucker that, what the fuck that was, it was really weird when they started saying that in this <laughs> movie I, I don't know i was glad to see billy baldwin getting work though yeah i mean it, it's oh that's stephen baldwin it's stephen baldwin yeah and benicio i can't keep the baldwin straight that's okay nobody can um <laughs> they, they can't even no no but uh, uh yeah it's it's like she would know what he looks like even in that new state. So it's super, oh, yeah. it's super weird. It's, it's so weird. And then there's whole, like before the proceeding, like before he loses it, there's like that whole conversation of like, you know, when did you stop believing? And like, uh, mm-hmm. it's like judge Reinhold being a total wet blanket. Like, Oh, I didn't get an Oscar Meyer weenie whistle when I was three. So that's, that's the moment I knew. And it was like, Oh man, that sucks for you. dude. <laughs> like, and that's the other thing too. It's like, and then like, uh, the mother not getting like one thing. She's like, got all these things, but like one thing, which we'll go into two movies from now. I was like, just, just because of this, because c- of this consumerism of this thing. And now that you have attached this thing to this material object, I'm just like evil, just evil <laughs> in my opinion. Well, and, and it's especially weird because in this universe, in this Christmas movie, Unlike the other two movies that we're going to talk about, Santa is a literal fucking real thing. Yeah, he here. exists. That's that's which is always the problem with movies like this because then you always have you always have like the naysayer care, and it's like there's no room for like any other point of view because you've already established that this character is real, so it doesn't right make any sense. It, it was like uh, oh, totally way totally different movie, but it's like Feeders too. Uh, where we oh, talked yeah, about, no, 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 yeah, yeah right? very similar. You know, just like Peters too, but like, but that movie too, where like the that one Polonial brother was like all worried because they were all strapped, and then their kids they wouldn't have enough money for their kids for Christmas. But it's like he exists in this movie. So what are you? They're gonna have something. What? So like, what? what are you about? Well, and it's 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 a it would it would have to rely on like the the entire world just going mums the word about presents showing up under their tree that they didn't buy that they would have to be either like my partner bought or my kid bought or like at some point someone's gonna go like i didn't buy that i don't have the money to buy that so either like my my husband or my wife or or whatever made an entirely irresponsible decision and bought that without consulting me mm-hmm. and we're going to have a fight about it or 
everyone collectively for millennia just went dead silent and still nobody believed like there's a there's a point where you age out of believing in santa claus which i know is like one of those things that you're supposed to like the suspension of disbelief but like when it's informing characters in the movie like you're talking about where like this one item didn't show up therefore i stopped believing in santa claus is like there is more evidence for Santa Claus being real than there is for, like, countries you haven't visited yes. being real. Like, you've just seen a map, so you you assume that Australia is real. But, like, you got gifts as a kid that your parents didn't buy. Who bought those? Yes. Either there's a burglar <laughs> breaking into people's houses and leaving gifts, which is may as well be Santa Claus, or it's literally Santa Claus. And in this case, it's literally Santa Claus. And it stacks the deck against any other characters, because then it's just, it's it's that, uh, that phrase in TV of, like, plot blocking, which is a frustrating mm-hmm. thing where, like, you're, you're, all you're doing is prolonging the inevitable conclusion. Right. And that makes this movie super frustrating in the middle section, because you're like, there's no, is it real, is it not? It's real within the world of this movie. And the movie makes no, because it's a kid's movie. So there's no room for like, uh, you know, ambiguity in that point. So now you're stacking the deck, uh, you know, where it's like, you know, Scott Calvin is, is a a, a screw up like a hundred percent in many ways, but, and, and he should be realizing certain errors of his ways, but then that character can't really grow because now everyone's yelling at him for something that actually isn't his fault so it just right. it just makes it just makes the whole movie frustrating and it makes it boring until and then even when it gets back to the north pole and that stuff it's like way too little too late um you yeah. know there's like a, a weird dance number zz top like dance number of all slow motion yeah. uh yeah just <laughs> strange walk out to um it. I, he is. I, at- I, I I saw it like it's like an action movie, uh, like let's ride sort of moment. Like you would see that in like the Expendables. Yes, or like you know, the Let's Rock from the Gone in sixty seconds with the yeah, low battery. Yeah. Let's rock. Yeah, let's rock. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh man, could you imagine if the Santa Claus was with Nicolas Cage? Oh fuck that yeah! Be Can amazing. I imagine? Yeah. Now I'm upset that it wasn't. He would have crushed that role. Hundred percent. Yes. Ah oh, man. I'm Saint Nick. <laughs> I stole that shirt you got me. That's his jolly old Saint Nick with his. Has he? He has not played Santa Claus in a movie. Uh no, he's not. We need to. Why has he not played jolly old Saint Nick? We need to. Like that's. We need to. We need to open up a, a final draft. This episode's over. Effectively, he'd sign on. Let's we're opening up final draft. <laughs> if, if we can get the script in his hands, he'll, he'll sign do on. It. He'll like do it. it. He's a little less picky now. Now that he's out of debt, he's a little less picky because he's out. He's doing amazing work uh yeah yeah like but he's he's done some of my favorite movies of his in in the last couple of years including uh including pig Um, and and uh mandy Mandy. um Um, it was another really good one too i can't remember it off the top of my head but um apparently uh the the dream scenario is dream scenario is apparently fucking rock that's great people love i love that director's first movie sick of myself uh so i'm really excited to see this i have not seen it you should see it but um, as you, as people are listening, they could tell we're trying to talk about anything but the Santa Claus. <laughs> Before we dog lake out, I have to express my major gripe. I want to hear this. Yes, the Santa Claus. Yes, and I, it's something that we I was texting you about, and it was something that I it was rubbing me the wrong way while watching the movie, but I couldn't quite like sort of come to terms with what it was until it was the following day, and I was thinking about it. Is that the plot of the Santa Claus? The hero of the movie is Scott Calvin. It's not the kid. 
the kid is, is a, a incidental thing that is there. It's a plot point that pushes Scott Calvin forward in the story. Yes. But he is the hero of the story. And his hero arc in the movie is to become the ultimate deadbeat dad. Because as we've already expressed, he was not... He was not a, a, a devoted father. He was not a devoted husband, uh, clearly. He uh, comes up with excuses. Uh, he's a smarmy asshole to everybody, so he's always trying to flake on everybody all the time, mm-hmm. including his son. And then through the sort of wish fulfillment of the movie, he becomes Santa Claus. So now he's got to work one day a year. And... When he's not working that one day a year, he's gone. He's he's just gone. He's completely absent from everybody's life. However, as he continues to be absent from his son's life, he is his son's hero. Because he's literally fucking Santa Claus. So he can continue to be an inattentive, deadbeat dad, but he can never lose with his son because he's literally a magic being. And then he's handed, or I guess rather his son is handed a little like snow globe that when he shakes the snow globe, he'll show up and be like, hey, it's magic so I can snap here at any moment when you shake the thing Mm -hmm. and put in my dad time for like 10 minutes and then I could fuck off for the next 364 (laughs) days and continue to be your hero. And it just, it's disrupt because he doesn't learn a lesson at the end of the movie of like, Oh, I've learned the error of my ways. I was inattentive to my wife, and that's why I lost her. And and my son is is outgrowing me, and I'm not there in his important moment. None of those life lessons are handed out. He's handed a scenario in which he can continue to be a big sack of shit and still win points with his son. Yeah. And it just makes me feel like this script was written by like a recently divorced guy who is just like and then, and then his son tells him he loves him, even though he didn't do anything for him in his entire life. It was, it was written by George Lucas and Steven Spielberg circa 1984. <laughs> uh, and then the hot blonde girl uh, comes into the movie. Exactly. <laughs> oh, man. No, I agree. And I, I, it's funny you mentioned that because I, I agree 100%. I didn't think about that. But I thought a lot about that in a movie that we're going to talk about two movies from now. Uh, a oh. very similar trajectory. Not not as, maybe not as longevity bulletproof of being a deadbeat dad, but definitely, sure. like, but definitely there for sure. Oh, um, yeah. But yeah, this this movie is, ah, it's so boring. That's the biggest thing. It's butts. It's really butts. I, I'm, I'm shocked. And it's still for a lot of people a, a staple, and and I can't say I don't understand because I watched it a lot as a kid. So it's like mm-hmm. you know maybe you know people who are nostalgic, I get it or whatever. But I, I think maybe I just you know for me I just grew out of it at a certain point, and it's a movie that doesn't really have like a special place, you know, to to me. It's like yep, that was the thing I watched as a kid, and now I've watched it as an adult, and uh, I hope to I hope I don't have to watch it again <laughs> ever, you know. No, this is the perfect movie to throw on if you are, if it's like Christmas Eve and you have the family over with a bunch of kids. So you have like nephews and nieces and stuff like that. And you want to throw a Christmas movie on that's going to have Christmassy stuff in it, but nobody really needs to pay attention to it because they're small kids. Yeah. Like this is that type of movie. Because as long as, if they look over every once in a while and Santa's on screen or there's an elf or they're at the North Pole and then they'll be like, 
oh, we're still having fun and continue on. But, like, this doesn't have, like, the pure, uh, like, bursting Christmas feel of, like, a Christmas story or no. Elf or something that's, like, a, a Christmas classic. Or, like, a Rankin-Bass, um, you know, your Rudolph, your Frosty, right, yeah. your Charlie Brown Christmas, like... Right, and, yeah, that's just pure Christmas. Yeah. And it also doesn't have, like... The 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 uh, pure acting chops and mood and good storytelling of something like uh, it's a wonderful life, no. which is like a, a movie set at Christmas, yeah. but it's a Christmas classic because of like the dramatic elements of the movie yeah. are so well done and Jimmy Stewart crushes it. Rocks. Yeah, a Miracle on Thirty Fourth yeah. Street's another one you throw in there. You yes, know? Exactly. absolutely. Yeah, it just it just doesn't it doesn't have that. It was a movie of its time, very much of its time. Yes. And, yeah. uh, you know, but uh, again, I don't know, maybe maybe we're just Scrooges, but I, I'd like to say we're not. But, you know, but I think the world has unfortunately proven us wrong. As we said, there are two two financially successful sequels to this movie, though. Maybe the third one wasn't super. I don't know. And now two seasons of a Disney Plus series. Um, I don't know. I don't. Yeah. Maybe we're out of touch. It's the kids. It's the children who are wrong. (laughs) Though the the thing is, it's not children driving these movies. I got to imagine it's not. It's got to be nostalgic. Adult. It's Tim Allen. Tim Tim Allen. Tim Allen's got like a hell of an agent. He he took all that last man standing money or whatever that shitty sitcom he did for years. Uh, uh, You know, and and I got to imagine Home Improvement's got to be in syndication on like tv land oh, or yeah. something that guy probably still gets boot home improvement was like the biggest show on tv that mm-hmm. i don't know if you ever watched hey we, we keep doing tangents but i don't know if you ever watched the uh, documentary that was about dana carvey's short yes uh, too funny to fail show. yeah yeah that their their With, lead-in was home improvement <laughs> their lead-in was home improvement and, and there's they showed like a, cl- a clip where they showed like a like a you know what comedy shows would do like they did one like really serious episode. Yes. Uh, oh, where and I, I think it was like, uh, uh, is it Jonathan Taylor Thomas? Is that the? It's Jonathan Taylor Th- Thomas and Zachary Ty Bryant are the two kids. So it was one of the two kids. I don't remember which one, but is one of them like they like a, a, a student or a, a teacher or somebody that was close to them was dying of I think cancer and it was like a big deal and they showed like a. a like a promo being like, and this week's home improvement. On a, and they on a like, very special episode of home. Yeah. Improvement. Yeah. <laughs> and a very special home improvement. And they show Jonathan Taylor Thomas, like crying, like, I, I don't want him to die, dad. And like Tim Allen, like, Oh, come here, son. And like holding him close to his chest. And then they do like a, like a wipe. And then they show the graphic for everything that's showing. It's like followed by uh, A&W Root Beer presents the Dana Carvey show, like comedy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's amazing. And it's just, undercuts the tension so perfect it's funnier than anything they did in the dana carvey show uh well maybe but yes but i, I would agree it's, it's bo- yeah, yeah that might be a spicy take but, but that was hilarious. it's so funny dude uh, last year i think i i donated to uh agfa the american genre film archive does their Ag- oh, yeah. agfa drone like they do a live stream for eight hours or however many or whatever um, so it's like you donate money to their nonprofit and then you get the link to the live stream and they just do, uh, they, they play a couple movies, but they would do like a random mixtape, um, of things. And one of the ones they did was a mixtape of clips of 
from a very special episode. Um, so they had different ones of like, there was one of Alf where like the, the neighbor was like an alcoholic. So they're like dealing with her <laughs> issues. Um, Why is Alf involved I don't in know, that? But it, but it was a very, on a very special episode of Alf this week. I... <laughs> um, and then they showed like commercials of the era. There's one of like 1-800-CRY was an actual one. It's on YouTube. I'm going to find, find it. There's also the oh. Smokey the Bear one. I forget the actress where she's like talking about uh, preventing forest fires and she like laughs and the camera dollies in and rips off a mask of the actress and it's Smokey the Bear being like, if it was me, would you have listened? Um, <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> I'll send you both of them. It's it's. We need more shit like that. Bring back that shit. Bring back uh, McGruff the crime dog. Oh, McGruff. Yeah, absolutely. Let's let's do it. Let's let's bring it back. I, I gotta send you too. Uh, there was an infomercial I saw on YouTube not so long ago. Uh, we we gotta move on to that. We, 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 we have, have to, to but for the interest of time. But yes, <laughs> the uh, it was like positive affirmations, and it was a it was a CD set that you could buy of. Incur- like encouragement of, of like a voice being like you're doing great and then like sound clips of like an audience clapping <laughs> and just being like hooray for you and it's like shows somebody like sitting in their living room with headphones on being like nodding their head like yeah I am great <laughs> it's like dude you this is like the darkest shit I've ever oh, seen man. it's like the, the you're listening to tape one of uh, uh, You're Fucking Out, I'm Fucking In by Kenny Powers. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, the Santa Claus. Let's move on from uh, this. The Santa Claus, everybody. The Santa yeah. Claus. Uh, don't watch it. Don't. Yeah, you've probably seen it. Honestly, you probably have seen it or or uh, aware of its existence, and uh, and if you and if you haven't, I would say it's not worth a visit. It's not worth it. No, there's so many other better family. You know, like I thought about you know watching these with with my oldest, and I didn't watch any of these with my kid because I'm like ah, I'm not going to show him any of them, and he'll be no worse for the wear for, for not seeing any of these movies. Um, so including our next one, uh, which is. Jack Frost. I guess the infamous Jack Frost. Once upon a time, in the town of Medford, there lived a man named Jack Frost. Happy holidays! You guys are great! Are all musicians really flaky? Yeah. He had a beautiful wife and a loving son, but his job kept him away from home. I brought you this. Your harmonicas? I got that the morning you were born. When you play that, no matter where I am, I can hear it. Then one night, something happened. Something terrible that turned into something wonderful. Charlie, it's me, it's Dad. Ah! What? Ah! So I'm supposed to believe that you're my dad? You were the one who played on the magic harmonica. I thought you made that up. So did I. It's hard to tell nowadays because now that the Jack Frost slasher has its own crowd and... No one's vocal for the Michael Keaton Jack Frost. And not necessarily vocal one way or the other. I when I say infamous, I mean like the movie was a huge bomb. It was it cost yeah. eighty five yeah, it cost yeah, eighty five yeah. million dollars and it made like thirty four million. So it was a huge bomb. Um the snowman animatronic, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um I know we're kind of jumping ahead here. Uh but but uh the snowman animatronic most famously looks and articulates like George Clooney 
because George Clooney was going to play Jack Frost, the titular character. Yes. Um, which I should just read the synopsis before we go any further, because this might be just confusing. Um, on Christmas Eve, Jack Frost, played by Michael Keaton, is tragically killed in a car accident. One year later, his distraught son brings him back to life as a snowman through the magic of his harmonica. Um, this is a true story. Uh, this is a thing that happens in the movie. Um, but George Clooney was... <laughs> I thought you were saying, like, this, like, this actually happened, this, by the way. This is, this is like based, based on a true, true story. <laughs> There's a song about it and everything. <laughs> um, but George Clooney was going to play the part, and he dropped out coincidentally because he landed the role as Batman in Batman and Robin. Oh, no, no shit. shit. Okay. So then they went yeah. and got another Batman to, to play Jack Frost, which is, it's odd on two levels, like watching it. For one, I guess, I think Michael Keaton's really good in this movie. He's, he's yeah. the best. Better than the movie deserves. Better than the movie deserves. And he's the best of the three uh deadbeat deceased or oh, yeah. divorced uh uh in in yeah. these movies um but it's odd because you know michael keaton is 10 years older than george Clooney, right and so the role here i feel like asks for somebody younger than michael keaton mm. but he sells it and i think it like really really sells it to me like uh, other than like he does look a little older but he, but yeah. he has that sort of like, because Michael Keaton was a comedic actor, started in comedy, so he's yeah. he's got that like, he's got that sort of like, childlike glee to him mm-hmm. that I think even Clooney, being ten years younger at this time, doesn't have. Clooney always has like a world weariness to him, even from the beginning yeah. of his career, like that movie Red Surf we talked about. He's very young, but he's very like world weary. He's it, it's only when he's like a farcical dipshit in a Coen Brothers movie that he's actually like beyond like younger than his years, but he's almost always yeah. wiser beyond his years. So it's like, you know, inadvertently somehow Keaton ended up being, I think, better for the part of like you, you sense his excitement when he comes home from touring and he's like, hey, let's go build a snowman outside and hey, let's do all this. And he's got like a childlike and he's a music musician. So he's trying mm-hmm. to make it as a musician. And, um, you know, his his wife, played by Kelly Preston, R.I.P., um, is like, you know, she's like the handyman of the house and the breadwinner and all of this uh, stuff. And, and even has to say, like, you know, like it, it, his his sort of dead beatery is not really that. It's just that he's just trying to make it. And sometimes that's led to missing a hockey game, which yeah. is not cool. But at the same time, it's like his indiscretion is way mild compared to the other two fathers of these movies. I I mean, well, big time. And I think that's really his age, I think aids sort of the, uh, or like it takes the edge off the deadbeatness. Cause mm-hmm. I think if he was 10 years younger than this, it would almost come across as like, this is young marriage or a young relationship, even though the, the kid's a little bit older, but yeah, he's very young. Yeah. They're younger. But so like, like if, if they were younger, it would seem like, you know, she's been, you know, supporting the family for, you know, X amount of time, but you know, now it's really starting to like, you know, wear on the family and, and starting to phrase some things. And whereas in here, it feels like they haven't really struggled. Like they own a house and, and there's no 
portion in the movie where they're they're like, oh god, oh the bills are yeah, piling there's up. There's a foreclosure and, and your sign dream on is the killing house. us. Uh, yeah, yeah, like it, it's it's he misses a hockey game every once in a while, but like. Yeah. When you're chasing a dream like that, like if you're wanting to be an artist, like if you want to be a professional musician, good fucking luck. And I, I, that's, that's you know, I'm not trying to be uh, uh, facetious. Honestly. It's a hard, good it's a hard field luck. to break into. Absolutely. I hope that you can do yep. it. Especially nowadays. Like back, back in the days like this, like what happens at the beginning of this movie, there's actually an agent that's there at the bar yeah. who's doing like, hey, you know that new sound you're looking for? Well, listen to this. Yeah. And he holds the phone out. Like we get that sort of moment. But like nowadays, it, it's, it's like algorithms looking on YouTube and being like, well, this person's got X amount of views. So we're going to pull them in and we'll have them do a TikTok video. And how many views does that get? Yeah. And then maybe if that gets enough views, well, like producers used to actually have to go out and find music that they enjoyed and, and roll the dice and take a gamble and try and find big stars and big music acts. Yeah. That's not the way that it is nowadays. No, not at all. So like, the the grind of being a musician is really really fucking difficult and to see a dude who keaton at this point was i 40s yeah, about 40 40 yeah, maybe about 40 like just about there he looks like a dude who's been out traveling the road his family is not suffering so him like pursuing his passion is not like impacting them in a real negative way like he's he's missed a couple of games from his kid but like and that sucks of course i'm not a father so i can't really speak directly from experience but i i can understand looking in the stands wanting to see your dad and he's not there that's disappointing um but at the same time you're kind of pulling for him when he's like we got a call from like a big studio label and they want us to like record a thing and like i was never at a point where it's just like no michael keaton don't like well except at one point in the movie uh, where the, he promises to take the the weekend away with the family up at a cabin, and then he gets a call where like this producer, who apparently is like the biggest piece of shit in the world, wants a bunch of bands from all over the country to come to his cabin in Aspen and play a private concert for him on Christmas Day. Yes, that guy sucks. That guy is really that crumb. guy is a huge piece of shit. So like, hey everybody, well he, he leave your family and your friends behind. Come to my place and play me a shit. He show. makes a bad decision to do. Well, I mean, it's it's ultimately a bad decision because we're going to get to the snowball effect. No pun intended. That it all leads to, <laughs> um, but not intended. But Jesus, man, <laughs> hey, it was right there. You 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 put it up on a tee. I'm going to knock it out of the park. Um, but his his catalyst for what ultimately happens does come from a place of love versus a place right. of like, you know, it, it, he, he, they, they're driving. It's like uh, him and Mark Addy, uh, who's his, like his second, like his best friend, part of the band. They're driving Bob Baratheon yeah. or Robert Baratheon Ro- from. Game yes, of exactly. Uh, yeah. he's in a bunch of stuff. Full Monty. He was also on a sitcom, uh, still standing that was short lived. Um, that I watched as a kid. Um, but yeah, he's great. I always love seeing Mark Addy. Um, and so they're riding and then the rest of the band's in the van and they take a stop. He's like, you know what? Like, he's like, I can't do this. I can't do this to my family. I promise them to do this. And then he went to the band. And he's like, hey, like, I, you know, I, I feel like you could go on without me. And they're like, 
no, we're in this together. And also none of us wanted to do this either anyway. Right, <laughs> so right. everyone's like, cool. All right, we're going to ditch it. Um, so uh, Michael Keaton was going to like either hitchhike back or get like, you know, something. And Mark Addy gives him the car. Like, why don't we take the car? We'll take the van. Um, and then, you know, he hits a horrible ice storm on the way back and his car runs off the road and he dies. And it's also this. And then this is like plot block blocking, but in a way that's not frustrating because of course, his family doesn't know because we saw this happen. His family doesn't right. know that he died turning around trying to come back. This is pre cell phone. Like, no one's been so contacted. No one's been contacted. So we know what his intentions were. His family doesn't. So all they know is, oh, dad went to go play this concert on Christmas and then he died. It died in a car accident. Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, and so it's like it's a year later. The son's really like shut out from the world and it's like it's one of those things too where it's like you know not to get personal but it's like i lost a parent around the holidays so i'm like it fucking sucks and so it's like i understand where this kid's coming from it's also very naturalistic the only thing i didn't like about this movie is like almost everyone telling him like well dad's dead you gotta gotta move on you gotta i was like get past it it's been a year that was the only thing that frustrated like i had more frustration in the other two movies but that one especially frustrated me where i'm like yeah it's been a year move on i'm like Dude, for me, it's been 20. It's like, you just don't move on. You just learn to, right, yeah. to cope, right? So I was just like, no, that's bullshit. Get out, get out of here with that movie. That's, even even right, his yeah. mom like says that, you know? Like, oh, we got, you know, dad's dead. You got to move on. It was like, what is this? Uh, this <laughs> sentiment here. But then, you know, but that's also like movie speak and also like, just like, you know, people weren't as in tune with this shit or people inherently don't know how to deal with their grief. Like just, just, just true. Um, and so movies, no. and when they also don't understand that other people deal with grief differently. Yes. So when they see other people like are down in the dumps, they go like, well, of course I'm not in the exact same situation you are, but I don't think I would be this dour. Yeah. And it's just like, well, you're not, I bad, don't think so shut exactly. The fuck up. I wouldn't be touting a snowman around town. I was like, well, so what if you weren't like, just let right, yeah. do- cool. Then yeah. When, when your dad dies in a horrible car accident, when you're 11, you can deal with it the way that you would. But for right now, shut the fuck up and let this kid do exactly. With it. So that, that stuff pissed me off about the movie, but I did like, you know, I like, I liked Keaton. I, I do like Kelly Preston in the movie, despite that, like you know move on part but i think she's a really loving mm-hmm. mom single mom trying to do her best i like mark addy in the movie as well there's that great scene mm-hmm. where they go to like those christmas concerts and he tells uh tells his son like what a good guy like michael keaton was you know just one of those people who could inspire other people to to you know do their best and whatnot so like there's there's some real gravitas to this movie and it also this movie is shot by Laszlo Kovacs, the great Laszlo Kovacs, yeah. who shot Easy Rider and Ghostbusters. The movie looks gorgeous a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, and at best, like, there's, like, an Amblin feel to it. It, it. At least, like, in the early, like, there's a big snowball fight that feels like it would be out of an Amblin movie. Um, you know, so there's some fun to be had there. Uh, it feels like Elf. A little bit, yeah. Uh, maybe, and it pre- maybe took some inspiration maybe i mean elf definitely made a better movie out of it but you know but yes <laughs> but did, they yeah. you know but definitely like there's that um and then the the jim henson company animatronic snowman i yeah. mean there's some dodgy cg when they make it move in like a wide but like a lot the the puppeteering is it's 1996 it's, you're like it's okay yeah. yeah but like the puppeteering is fantastic you know like it's a oh, great sure. merge of the two um 
I think the biggest thing for me, like this is the least offensive of the three movies in my opinion. Yes. Yeah. But I think in coming with that, it also is just like kind of like the Santa Claus. It's a little dull. It's a little dull in the way it tells its story. It's very like sort of paint by numbers in the way it tells its story. Um, and you get like those unexpected moments of gravitas. They come here and there, especially like the moment where, uh, you know, he, the son doesn't believe that he's just like, I can't believe this is happening and doesn't believe that the snowman is his dad. And he's asking him questions that he thinks only his dad would know. And, um, you know, and, and they were things that's like, oh, his dad might have missed in that last year of his life where he's like, what position did I play in hockey? He's like, oh, you're a center forward. It's like, oh, they moved me to defender. And he's like, oh, well, you were a better wing or he's a wing, wasn't he? It's, I think, yeah, yeah, they moved you to defense. He's like, oh, well, you were a better wing. But then he gives him like a nick. He says his nickname, Charlie Boy. I believe. Yeah. yeah and and uh, he's like, yeah. wait, what did you call me? He's like, Charlie boy. That's what I always call you. And then that realized it was just like, dad, like there's some unexpected yeah. good moments like that. But then when it all becomes, when there's moments that are supposed to be funny, like the sight of him pulling the snowman, like it's kind of just, it all kind of falls flat. Um, you know, the whole uh, like ending where like he, like, like last leg of the movie where like the, the temperatures going up, and so, like, you know, the weatherman's like, it's hot enough to melt a snowman. And, and uh, you know, so it's like he's going to melt. So they got to take him out in the, the woods. Um, you know, all that sort of paint by numbers. Him be, befriending the bully, who the bully never knew his dad, who was a deadbeat in his own right. And says the maybe the only line that's famous in this movie is snow, snow dad's, dad's better, better than, than, than no dad. dad. <laughs> uh, like, that's all sort of just like, eh, it's okay. It, it, the whole scene where he's trying to like get to the hockey game and like avoid melting just reminded me of like yeah. just reminded me like it's it's eh, and it reminded me of that famous Campbell soup commercial where the snowman <laughs> goes yeah. into the, the carrot yeah, nose yeah. falls exactly. off into the soup. Yeah, you, you know you remember <laughs> of a certain generation we're aware of the Campbell yeah same era Campbell soup uh, commercial. So that, I just thought of that like that whole last part of the movie. Um, no, yeah, I mean you're, you're spot on, and I mean like it, you're. You're describing the same way that I felt about the movie in that, like, it's it's heartfelt. It is. And I found myself throughout the movie sort of asking myself, like, who is this for? Is this supposed to be for the parent who's watching it with the kid? Or is this supposed to be for the kid who's watching it? Because, like, when you're doing a kid's movie, there's always a strange mix of, like, heartfelt things. Mm-hmm. And the best kid's movies will have a little bit of both. There'll be something in there that, like, really gut punches the adult that doesn't quite fly over the head of the kid that they sort of like may understand the impact, but it's probably going to like impact them more. And it, it reminds me of like, you know, Wally inside um, out is, is inside out. Like there's something in there that like really will hit you or, or strike a chord with an adult uh, or soul is yep. also like a, a more recent Pixar uh, movie that, that had that chord. With if we're me. going recent, non-animated, um, I, I think you haven't seen it, but Spike Jones is where the wild things are is another one. I would, put I haven't seen that one. Yet. We're going to have to put it on an episode just so you see it. <laughs> it's really good. It, is it going to make me cry? Oh, That's the only thing I, I got. Absolutely. It's going to make you cry for oh, many good. reasons. Oh, good. It's yeah. going to make you cry because it's that good and hits those heartfelt emotions and all that. It's also going to make you cry because the lead wild things voiced by James Gandolfini, which R.I.P. Oh, someone I miss almost as much as Mil- Philip Seymour Hoffman on a <laughs> daily basis. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it'll make you cry. <laughs> so. Well, I mean, so Jack Frost didn't make me. Me neither. Well, actually, I Be- lied because it almost felt like it was. If it, it felt like it was going too hard on the the emotional beats, like it didn't. It didn't really like 
kind of fold out for me in, in a way that kind of walked me down the primrose path to the gut punch. Mm-hmm. It felt like it was just like the gut punches were just like accents on the end of each chapter where it's like, okay, well I can see the beat sheet. And if I can see the beat sheet, you're not like, you're not tugging on my heartstrings. You're, you're playing with a logical mind. That's going to walk me down and be like, okay, I understand what you're trying to do to me emotionally, but it didn't really impact me emotionally. And then the kids stuff that's in there, I didn't find very funny or fun. It was very like, um, when he's like riding on the sled and he's getting chased by the bully on the, the, uh, the snowboard, very like, whoa, like nineties style. Like he's jumping up and doing like a, a indie nose boat, yeah. uh, like off, off the pipe and Reminds stuff. Me of that movie Snow like, Day, oh, okay. Uh, with like Chris, Elliott, oh, yeah. uh, a little bit of that mixed with, because they're in a tube. I was like mixed with like Terminator two <laughs> for some reason. Oh, sure. <laughs> going down the California river. Um, no, I, I'm right there with you because I, I genuinely do feel the same way of the, like, that's a good way to put it. If you could see the beat sheet, then you know you're not doing it. Um, I, I will backpedal and say, like, I cried a few times, but it's also, like, hit too close to home in a lot of ways. So it's like, I don't think it sure. was the movie itself doing it, but it was, like, eliciting things where I'm like, oh, I've been there, kid, or I've been, you know. So it's like, it's yeah. like, yeah, open some open wounds. Some wounds. So it's like, yeah. I... But at the same time, and I was trying to remember going back through episodes we've covered, I couldn't remember the movie, but I've also seen movies before that also tap into that, like, like, cause I'm like an easy target for that element. And so, but I've seen movies like that where they, I felt nothing, you know? And it's like, you know, yeah. like yeah, if, you, yeah. if you're, uh, if you're a dead parent movie and I feel nothing, then you've fucked up in some well realm. So, right. So I'm, yeah. Cause I'm the target demographic for, for what you're exactly. trying to do here. So I wouldn't, yeah. so from, for, from my perspective, I wouldn't say Jack Frost is a success, but I wouldn't say it's a failure either. Cause it still managed to make me listen to those motions and that's not nothing, but I don't think it's the mm. movie's, earns that sentimentality if we're if we're judging our two experiences i don't whereas like if it earned it like someone without that experience like yourself would have been felt emotional by it you know what i mean so i think i don't think the movie's a success in that way but i don't think it's a failure either um so and like like we said you know like we sort of hammered home definitely inoffensive like completely inoffensive genuinely heartfelt not as bad as its reputation would suggest. It's not a good movie, no. but like, but it's no. not. It was. I mean, uh, uh, we'll we'll just have to figure it out at the end of the episode here. But it to me, it was the least miserable one to sit through, <laughs> in my opinion. Sure. But um, one well, like. I think it's also just remembered for being like a financial flop because of like $85 million budget in 1996. It's crazy. Well, it's like when we talked about Waterworld, where people remember Waterworld being bad, but it's like it's water. Or 98, sorry. But it's like Waterworld rules. It's just that it cost a lot of money and lost a lot of money. So people remember that about Waterworld versus it rules. Jack Frost doesn't rule, but it's like, but it's not a, it's not a, a like stain on cinema or anything like that it's just a family movie that cost way too much and didn't make enough that's you know, right yeah sue me sue yeah. it like it's whatever it's not a big deal so it's it's majorly inoffensive majorly and like inoffensive. i think aggressively fine aggressively fine and yeah. i like honestly like in the in the age of, of like reappraisals of movies and stuff of this era aggressively fine is probably the nicest 
like probably review that the movie's going to get in terms of like a reappraisal. Oh, yeah. Because I know like I think this is the lowest rated of the Rotten Tomatoes movies of this. Just group. barely. It's just barely lower yeah. than Jingle All the Way. <laughs> just which is surprising because I know a lot of people who like Jingle All the Way, but I well maybe we should get into it and admonish those I think people. We should do it. Let's just let's just do it. Uh, Jingle All the Way from 1996. Every holiday season, there's one toy everyone has to have. I want the Turbo Man action figure with the arms and legs that move, and the Rock and Roll jetpack, and the Boomerang shooter. Getting it is every child's dream. Whoever doesn't can be a real loser. Finding it. You got the doll, right? Is this father's nightmare? I'll get that toy. I promise. They're all gone. These two are looking for a Turbo Man. <laughs> Where's your Christmas spirit? The last one just left. Now, it's two fathers. This is war. One mission. <laughs> oh, poor baby. <laughs> and every man for himself. Jingle All the Way from 1996. Uh, so, on Christmas Eve, vacant father Howard, played by Arnold Schwarzenegger, scours Minneapolis for the season's hottest toy, the Turbo Man action figure he'd promised his son. Um, it is Minneapolis, Yes, right? it is. It, it's actually shot at okay. Mall of America for a good portion of it. Yeah. Which okay. I guess was hell, according to the director, was like, the city of Minneapolis was all stoked for like the big movie to be shot there, so like there was like genuine crowds and... Uh, so it was like a pain in the ass to shoot from my understanding. Well, I mean like 1996 era Arnold Schwarzenegger, like he's still, still at the top of his game. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, true lies has come out just two years prior Mm -hmm. to this. So, um, you know, so he's, yeah, he's still at the top of his game. Um, so it's like, yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger, who I guess was super cordial and enjoyed like the project. He even improvises a little bit because, uh, Sinbad, most of his lines are improvised in the movie, which is uh, would be no surprise to anybody uh, watching this movie. Especially when um, you hear them. Yeah, yeah. You're like, oh. Dude, the, I, I was, I, I could not believe, I mean, I guess I could, but it's like, again, once again, these are children's movies. The yeah. scene when they're they're trying to get the, the ball drawing uh, and, and, uh, and uh, they're, they're all attacking Sinbad and he starts yelling Rodney King. Yeah. And I was like, oh my kids movie and like four is 1996 so this is four years removed from the la riots yeah like four years removed very very recent came out like it was incendiary for malcolm x like a spike lee movie to open with the rodney king uh, beating and the la riots of like the way spike lee will like take present day and 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 intercut tie it to the past and intercut to the past, yeah. and that was like seemed as radical because that was the same year that that had happened. But like, which it, it you know to a certain but like you you watch it now and you're like to me I'm like well this makes sense for the point that Spike's trying to make and also this movie is a American masterpiece too versus Jingle All the Way. <laughs> you're just like this is a children's movie four years removed. That well, and he wasn't that's a he wasn't saying it to comedy. raise awareness of what happened to Rodney King. No, he it, was, it was trying like to be funny. He was trying to be. Wasn't funny. that funny when those cops surrounded and beat an unarmed black man like within an inch of his life? And it's like no, it's not funny this movie, and also kids aren't gonna get that joke this movie has uh allusions to police brutality this movie has allusions to uh bomb threats not even illusions 
an actual like bomb. Goes well, and, off. and jokes about like the postal service, like going postal and doing that, like which was yes. the thing also in the '90s, which I've been like going back and watching. Um, I was watching Seinfeld recently, where those jokes existed and stuff, and it's just like, yeah, was like domestic terrorism just a fucking punchline in the nineties. Like it was funny when somebody popped off and killed a bunch of people in a workplace. Yeah. It was until September 10th, 2001. <laughs> I think I'm just, I'm just There's saying the think, line and we I found it, was, it. It was fair game. And then, and then it was not ever t- to be spoken of. Hey buddy, it's only okay when we do it in- internally. If somebody comes from the outside and does terrorism, then we got a problem. Yeah, yeah. Oh, America. <laughs> this, this. So th- that's a good point. So this movie, in my opinion, as I was watching it, I was like, this movie is as evil and insidious in its worldview as Bad Boys Two. Like that mm-hmm. was the movie I thought of most of the time of this movie. I'm like, this is children's movie Bad Boys Two, which is saying something because Michael Bay made five movies that were supposedly for t- kids, <laughs> and. Not, but not really. They were PG. These, this is PG. This is a PG rated movie. Yes, yeah. And in this movie, it's like there's, you know, yeah. The the LA riots are on the line. The uh, 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 domestic terrorism is on the line. Um, every Cri- woman uh, Santa in- crime syndicate. Yes, yeah, Santa crime syndicate. Um, everyone, woman in the neighborhood wants to <laughs> bang Phil Hartman. Yes, and 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 with with no subtlety whatsoever. Um. There's the scene at the kids' karate class where uh, it comes the one of the neighbors comes up to Phil Hartman, and was like, you know, saying how like um, she like something was wrong with like the plumbing, like literally that like something's wrong with the plumbing. Like I just I I must not just have the right tool to do it. And it's like yeah yeah laying it on thick here, like you know. Which we, we also like, didn't mention there was a couple of weird sexual allusions in Jack Frost. Like when, when yeah. Michael Keaton's turned into the snowman, he looks down at his crotch and he's like, "Oh no!" Or like, yeah. "Oh my god!" Like, or when he slides down at the end, he's like, "Oh my my balls are frozen." Never thought I'd say that with a smile on my face. Yeah, but, but yeah. This, or but this or he gets hit with the snowballs and they they're like snow boobs, and he takes them and he presses them together for a second and goes, "Ah, like not my thing," and then like like pulls it off. Right. Yeah. But this one, this movie like triples down on yes. those type of, of jokes. But, um, but yes, we have Arnold Schwarzenegger, who's a uh, like he's a mattress salesman, and we should also here's here's the thing. He's the funny. my pillow guy. <laughs> he is. He is the my pillow guy. I also did want to point out. Sorry, that was that was great. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta regroup for a second. I also want to point out that in addition to Jack Frost, Frost being the least offensive, the father's job is actually integral to the plot of Jack Frost. Yes, and both the Santa Claus and Jingle All the Way has zero bearing. It doesn't matter. They're seen no. doing what they do in the opening. The opening scene of both these movies is almost identical. Right, of both the Santa Claus and Jingle All the Way. Where, like, Tim Allen is late to meet his son at his house, and this one as well, like, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's on the phone with everybody coming in, being like, sure, we could have all these units put to you. By the way, you're my favorite customer. You're my yeah, favorite yeah, customer. you're my favorite his wife customer. Calls, his wife calls, like, uh, you know, says, Jamie, you know, Jamie's, uh, you know, karate thing is in, like, you know, 30 minutes. Like, I'm going to make it. Oh, by the way, you're my favorite customer. And then realizes it, and she's just like fucking like always which, which, on uh, like that immediately like 
that it sets up for him to have an arc right there immediately where it's like he is such an absent minded husband and father that he is like his his um we didn't even mention it his receptionist or his secretary is in there cards with with, yeah manila folders that she's turned into cue cards that she's like your son's karate class is in you know an hour or whatever and you told me to tell you that you told me to tell you that 20 minutes ago and you're still on the call so it's like her receptionist or his receptionist has like more awareness of what's going on in his family than he does and then when he has an opportunity to talk to his wife it's yeah 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 go through the motions you're my favorite customer like i i'm so absent-minded i don't even give a shit about the fact that i'm talking to my wife about the class for my son that i'm going to miss yeah that's the kind of character he is so we expect that the arc is going to be the 180 at the end of this he's going to be like i've been a workaholic and i've made all these wrong choices and I need to pay more attention to my son, and I need to be more present, and I need to care more about their lives and be a better father. And he learns nothing. Oh, he learns nothing at all. Because the the whole setup is like, you know, much like the Santa Claus, he doesn't make it. Which is one of the things I remember to the movie most. I don't know why. Um, maybe because I think of it every time I'm in traffic. Of uh, That he drives on the, the outer line. Oh um, yeah, to, to try and and make it to the thing, and he gets pulled over by the cops, which is pretty common. Honestly, which is pretty yeah, it, it happens a lot. But he gets pulled over by the cops, and they they, they you know give him a hard time, think he's intoxicated, and they're like, "Can you?" Say, I don't know why I remember this so much from a kid, where he's like, "You know, can you say your ABCs A B C backwards?" Which is uh, bullshit. Who can yeah. say their ABCs backwards? I mean, it, I could probably do it, but I got to think about it. Like, right? First, but like that's know? that's the, like even like you don't have to be intoxicated. You can be. You, Stone Cold Sober. I can't do that yeah, shit. Yeah, I have to think about it. Exactly. You know, so he misses his son. His son played by Jake Lloyd. Um, oh, yeah. Anakin Skywalker. Young Anakin Skywalker himself. Um, misses the karate thing, but uh, but Phil Hartman was there, which, uh, God, I got to talk. I got to aside to Phil Hartman right, for a Pete. second. All right. I mean, I miss Phil Hartman, but, uh, you know, love him. And I wouldn't say I don't love him in this movie, but I really hate his character in this movie. Yes. And you're supposed to, but I hate that, like, you know, it's like the flip side of Arnold where, like, he's such a workaholic and all this stuff. He learns nothing and all this stuff. But Phil Hartman, similarly, because his son is friends with Jamie because they live in the same neighborhood. And he tells – and, like, Phil Hartman gets an actual reindeer, mm-hmm. gets an actual living reindeer to, like, come to the thing and is helping – uh, Arnold's wife, played by Rita Wilson, in this make cookies. This also could have been Deadbeat Fathers married to uh, uh, whose movie wives are the wives of like very famous actors, almost. Uh, yeah. You know, with Rita Wilson being Tom Hanks's wife and uh, Kelly Preston being uh, John Travolta's. Um, but anyway, um, but uh, Phil Hartman's son says that uh, you know, you know. Jamie Jake Lloyd says like you know your dad's so cool and all this stuff and uh but Phil Hartman says like yeah he was never like this though until the divorce and so it just makes he says divorce yeah he does say divorce why because I have a pet theory that Ted in this movie is a serial killer I I think I, I I think he's an animus for for Dennis Rader but (laughs) <laughs> I would believe it. I would 100% The way it. that he acts is 100% like a a like a Dennis Raider, like a or like a like a family annihilator of some sort where he's yes. 
outwardly like, oh, I'm so perfect and stuff. But then like there's little glimpses behind the veil where he snaps. And you're like, oh, there it is. There's the rage. That's going to come out one day. That's like when he tells the lady to fix it later and he's uh, when he's filming and he's just got that like look on his face like this. Mm-hmm. And it's like there's that snap moment because like he's 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 appearing to be like real life Ned Flanders. Right. Like somebody who's like genuine. Who Ned Flanders is somebody who's genuinely a nice, wholesome person, which yeah. makes him such a foil to through and through. being a fun yeah. through and through like, he, he you know, uh flanders will bend but never break whenever homer's giving him a hard time like it's 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 uh so it's like there's that but then there's that little twins you're like okay this person's gonna snap but but yes he does say divorce has not been this way he was never this way until the divorce he does say that to jamie okay then that makes everything he does incredibly predatory and and try hard to where it's like he's scummy too where it's like you're just you're not genuinely this way you're just this way because you have the hots for Rita Wilson. Um, well, and it doesn't even seem like he, like, no, he probably does have the hots for Rita Wilson, but it almost seems like... Well, a, he like does. A, he tries to make a move on her at the parade, and that's when he... But it, but he's also so person. overtly in the face of Howard, of Arnold Schwarzenegger, that it also seems like it's a little bit of showy, like, like spite against howard and like that's not set up why they would have a rivalry other than he's just that type of guy i think it's just because he has the hots for wilson and he's married to her and that's why he's like you know sensing that he's you know not delivering his commitment as a husband yeah exactly yeah that's that's exactly it and so he he gets eggnog in the face and that you know that that's the end of that arc they didn't play out exactly as i thought yeah exactly but uh yeah it just makes everything predatory and and it, it's also like one of those things where it's like when you try to do as much like stuff for your kid around Christmas, it just makes me like it hurts my heart about that. Like, oh, yeah, my dad was never this way until like there was some incentive to be this way. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, dude. Yeah. Like, so, so so both these dudes suck. And so does Sinbad. They're all terrible. Like all the guys are terrible in this movie. But yes, Arnold misses uh, Howard, Arnold's character, misses the karate class. And so he sees the Turbo Man ad because his son, he's like, what do you want? For, what do you want for Christmas? And he's like, says, I want the Turbo Man with the, yeah. you know, I want the Red Rider BB gun. Yeah, with exactly the, it's, yeah, it's exactly the Christmas story speech. Carbon air rifle. Ooh. Ooh. You shoot your eye out, kid. Ho, <laughs> ho, ho. Uh, Merry Christmas. But, um, and so he talks about it and Rita Wilson's like, well, you got the doll weeks ago, right? And he's like, yeah, of course I got the doll. And uh, she's like, good, because they'd be impossible to find now. Because it's like the most... It's funny because it was supposed to mirror the Cabbage Patch Kids craze. Like, that's how long the script was mm. in development. Because that those were huge in the late 80s. Um, yeah. Of just, like, people were all about the... Like, I mean, my family was in the secondhand business. I remember my grandma had, like, the wall of her garage lined with just Cabbage Patch Kids up the wazoo. Um, so I, I missed this Cabbage Patch craze. Was it like Beanie Babies? Where like people were yeah, traveling from all around a, to get it's like It's a precursor the... to the Beanie Babies gotcha. for sure. Okay. Which I still, what's same, my family, I still have a bunch somewhere. So I, Beanie I feel, Babies? Yeah, I have some in storage. I feel that Nick's meme family of like, done too. I, like that, I'm sure you've seen those memes where it's like, uh, I found my Princess Diana beanie. How do I trade this for a house? <laughs> like, because <laughs> they would expect... <laughs> Because they were part of the spectator market, and then they were, you know, because then they they inflated them, and then they were yeah. worthless. Um, 
But nothing uh, like that nowadays. Cryptocurrency. <laughs> what I was getting at is that it was supposed to be the Cabbage Patch Kids craze, but uh, but this also came out I think the same Christmas as Tickle Me Elmo. It just happened to coincidentally hit. So oh. like, which people were literally knocking people and bumping yeah. elbows. It was like the beginning of Thanksgiving. Yeah. Oh my God. People were going nuts to get a tickle me Elmo. Um. I uh, yeah. I remember that for sure. And so, uh, so this movie. The frustrating thing about this movie is like consumerism uh, cures all. And it, yes. and there's also yeah. a similar and similar to the Santa Claus, like Sinbad has a speech about like this thing he didn't get as a kid. Mm -hmm. And he talks about how he thinks he became a loser because he didn't get that thing for Christmas. And then Arnold Schwarzenegger has a vision of his son in the mailman, like suit, like, like his kids. Thanks a lot, dad. (laughs) I was like, what the fuck? Like, first off, like, the postal service is a profession that like, you know, we, we need. So why would you think someone was a loser for being that? Yeah. And secondly, it's a government like, job. he's got a full pension coming. Absolutely. So I'm, I, I just, the whole thing is just like, what in the absolute fuck? And, um, there's also a mean streak running joke with, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to tangent, but like, I just remember the first scene where they go to the store um and there's no turbo man dolls but there's booster there's like a huge running joke oh like, it was chris booster. parnell he's like yeah yeah <laughs> laughing his face which was I, was I was like oh chris parnell is in, in, in this movie hey good to see you um but like there's a running joke through that well they have booster even at the parade booster falls off the thing and all the kids start beating the shit beating the out shit of him, out of him. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he's got a great booster. costume too like he's got I a full animatronic great. that blinks and everything it looks yeah. awesome I think it looks great. It looks great in the like faux show that opens the movie. It's like the Power Rangers, pretty yeah. much. You know, it's very much a model after the Power Rangers. But, um, God damn, dude, this 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 movie gave me a headache. I I won't lie. Like it, it's so unhinged, which usually I would appreciate, but I was I found myself like really bashed over the head with like annoyance by the end yes. of this movie. You know. Well, and I was gonna say. It's- we already sort of mentioned the Simpsons a, a little bit, but the the plot of this movie reminds me of a Simpsons episode. And, and, and some of these things, it's the interaction between Howard and, and the other people around him. Mm-hmm. I can definitely see switch Arnold Schwarzenegger with Homer. A lot of this movie starts to make more sense. Um <laughs> But then, like, Sinbad's character is sort of scene-dependent. But if we can, like, relate to the scene we just talked about. Yeah. Imagine Homer at Moe's Tavern talking to Barney. And Barney tells Homer about the thing that he missed as a kid. And then he envisions Bart being the kid drinking out of the out of the oh, flask. Oh, yeah. Yeah. These jokes start to make sense when you start to relate it to other pop culture of the time. Yeah, and the the movie itself feels like it, it's trying to sort of capture and ride the coattails of pop culture by having Arnold Schwarzenegger in it alone it is like one of those yeah. like he's hot right now and he's willing to be in our movie, uh, and like you said, like it's trying to be about Cabbage Patch Kids, but the year it came out, the Tickle Me Elmo was like the big thing or whatever. It, it's trying to ride on these highs that are happening in culture right now. But, like, it, it doesn't have sort of an identity of its own. But if you are able to sort of bend it and rework it into other, like, popular media, it does actually work a little bit. 
Right. So like that's one of the things that that like I can see a great idea there. I can see a world in which this would work. It just doesn't work in this movie, and that just makes no. it mostly frustrating. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, like you said, you throw in Sinbad was kind of big at this time as mm. well. Um, you know, Phil Hartman, who was on The Simpsons many a times, you know, so you throw that, hi, I'm Troy McClure. You yeah, might remember you may know me. me from such films as. <laughs> so, um, it, yeah, I it, it's calling upon a lot of pop culture. And, and, and like we said, the Turbo Man mimics like the Power Rangers, not just oh, like yeah. the Skomiomo Crane. And the Rocketeer. Like, and the Rocketeer. So there's a lot of those elements um to it 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 just never comes together and i read somewhere that they intended this to be like a satire of consumerism but i'm like but this is an ode to consumerism like sure maybe they're oh poking my God, fun yeah consumer but, consumerism is the hero of the movie that's the thing i'm like if if sure if if there's i will meet that argument halfway of the idea of like the madcap scramble which is so funny now like you said cell phones with jack frost like would have eradicated so much of the plot of that movie online shopping would do the same for jingle all the way but it oh, yeah. didn't exist in 1996 so people were literally do- busting down the door um but you, you know that the, the funny thing is like the the beginning of this movie or like the first sort of mad dash is like the beginning of Eli Roth's Thanksgiving, which we talked about on our Patreon. Go yes. give it a listen. Hey, uh, good hey. But, but that was like a horror movie, and this is a family comedy. Um, so you see right. where it doesn't work uh, whatsoever. But I get where the satire is coming through. But like, but like you said, consumerism is the hero, literally the hero of the movie. It's literally. The same as the Santa Claus, the argument you were trying to make in which, you know, if most people have seen this movie, they know that Arnold ends up in the Turbo Man suit at the end yes. of the movie. Um, and he fights and then uh, uh, Sinbad ends up in the villain's suit. I don't remember the villain's name. He looks like he looks like Brainiac, the Superman's villain Brainiac. Yeah, got, like the, the big brain on it. He also um, looks like the bad guy from the Powerpuff Girls. Oh, He's Mojo the, Jojo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The brain like, in the vat on the he top. Looks, yeah. yeah, it looks like Brainiac meets Mojo Jojo meets uh, Rita Repulsa from uh, Power Rangers. So mm-hmm. it's, it's like the three of those kind of mixed together. And, um, you know, and, and basically Arnold ends up in a suit and during the parade gets to pick a kid who gets the Turbo Man toy. So he sees his, like, you know, he's next to Phil Hartman. Jamie! Yeah, yeah. He's like, Jamie, he knows my name. Which which is hilarious. Like, (laughs) how his son and his wife are like, who is this? Who is this six foot three Austrian uh, man? Jacked Austrian man. I couldn't couldn't tell you, man. Like they just they must just be running rampant in Minneapolis. Yeah, they're all they over Minneapolis. Yeah, Diamond, Diamond does. Little, little do they know. Little known fact: uh, a group of Austrians migrated from uh, <laughs> to, to Minneapolis. Go figure. Um, which is insane. Like that they had no idea. It's like he knows my name. Well, it's like yeah, of course. Like who else looks and sounds like. like that. <laughs> like they have they have the whole standoff action scene where he like figures out how to use the jetpack and that's one thing i appreciated about the movie uh, is that it it sort of sets up early that's going to have a looney tunes logic so it's very cartoonish uh nobody dies like even, there's even like when the literally bomb, a bomb goes off in a dude's hands and, it, and, and it's like, literally 
rabbit season, singes duck his season, face. Yeah, rabbit season, duck season, fire. Yes, like it's, yeah, it's he's like, woo, 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 and falls yeah, over. Like exactly, it, it's that kind of comedy. And it sets it up early, so it's like, okay, I kind of understand where we're going on here. So when it gets silly and zany, you've already sort of bought into the conceit of the movie at the end of it. But like him flying around on the jetpack and, and fighting Sinbad and stuff, and then um, he saves his son, and he like is down on one knee, nose to nose with him, being like. Jamie, I love you so much. I, uh, Merry Christmas. Yeah, he's like, like telling him all this stuff. And he stands up and like his wife slash Jamie's mom is like five feet away. He's talking to her. He's talking to all the people in the crowd. And then he, <laughs> and also like the Turbo Man thing is just a red helmet that covers like the skull cap. And With he's got a, a yellow see-through, see-through yellow visor over his eyes. So yeah. full on, you can see 70% of Arnold Schwarzenegger's face unblocked. The other 30% is blocked by a see-through yellow visor. You can clearly see who this guy is. And he's talking in an Austrian accent the entire time. And then he just pops it off. And then his kid's like, Dad! Which for a second I was just like, I don't know. Kids can be oblivious and caught up in the moment. And he thinks it's his hero. So I can forgive that. But then they cut to his wife and she goes, Howard? And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Insane. What? Insane. Just insane. This 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 movie is insane. Probably evil. Um <laughs> uh, and it's it's frustrating cuz it's like it's got a good cast all the way around and it's yeah. like you feel bad for everybody too. Like, you know, Phil Hartman of course. Phil Hartman who would play the same role and it would be his last role unfortunately, but same role and better in Joe Dante's Small Soldiers. He's relatively oh, the same yeah. in that neighbor and that where it's like Hey, Stu, I saw that this branch was in my tree line, so I just figured I'd cut it down. You know, like, he's he's so much better in that movie, which is yeah, a much, yeah, yeah. much better movie than this movie, period. Because uh, Joe, Do we have Small Soldiers on the list? It sh- we should. Oh, we should. Uh, I loved that movie as a kid. and I, I, I have not seen it since I was a kid. I bet I'd like it more now. Talk about a takedown of consumerism. You know, that's a Joe Dante yeah. right there. That That's a... Yeah, oh man, we gotta get Small Soldiers on an episode stat. But, um, but like, yeah, Phil Hartman's in it. Uh, Martin Mull's in it as the radio DJ who gets accosted yeah. uh, before the bomb goes off at the, the station. Um, which, like, Sinbad, it was already established because he made that joke once. Mm. That, like, he was like, I'm insane and I have this bomb. And it was just, like, a piece of mail package. Yeah. And he did the same thing in this one. And then the joke was, oh, it was actually it was a bomb. Actually and was a bomb. and, and yeah. he didn't know it. Uh, he didn't know, had no idea. He was just like, I thought I was just getting away with it. Um, but Martin Mull's in it. Jim Belushi's in it as the leader of the the Santa Claus uh, ring, like the the Santa Claus. Uh, uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Counterfeit ring. Um, where like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger gets out of it because he's about to be arrested and he finds a toy badge in there and he's like, I've been working on the cover for this for three years. This is one of the most sloppiest busts I've ever seen and just is able to walk away from the situation, which is odd that no one would actually like check the badge. But, you know, uh, so be it, I guess. That's the logic of this movie. Um, uh, sorry to interrupt. No, um, go for it. Excited to look it up. So, Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber. Yes. His his final crime, which was it resulted in a death, was April twenty fourth, nineteen ninety five. Oh, uh, so it was there was enough time for this to be included in this movie. 
it was a Unabomber joke because his crimes, like his bombing spanned from 1978 to 1995 with the last four of them uh, coming in the 90s, 1993, 1993, 1994, 1995. So this movie has Rodney King joke, Unabomber joke. Uh, I think... Quite possibly a Dennis Rader joke. Although Dennis Rader was not caught at this time. Hmm. Talk about a weird fucking kid. The 90s were... No wonder our generation has so much, like, anxiety and, like, certain things. Like, these these were the Bombs are just in the mail, everybody. Welcome to your children's movie. Well, just in general, like, the... the, the, This movie is anxiety-inducing, I feel like. It is so madcap. It is so... Which... Is something, but I just wish it was in service of something funnier, yeah. zanier. There is a wackier, more entertaining movie waiting to bust loose, I feel like, but it's just... They try, it just doesn't work. I, like, doesn't the work. scene where he he goes to the mall, it, it's right after he's chasing the ball, and then he, oh, like... The, the, I'm not a pervert. I'm not a pervert. Like, he's, like, yeah. chasing, like, the little girl. Yeah. But then, like, the uh, 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 Jim Belushi, who's the Santa Claus, like, the mall Santa... It's like uh, it's like the beginning of Child's Play, where he's like, "Hey, I I got the toy you're looking for. It's out in the back alley or whatever," and he takes him to some like uh, pier or some dock in Minneapolis, where there's a bunch of people dressed as Santa Claus, like like local mall Santas, and they're selling bootleg toys. Yeah, and then it becomes like an all-out brawl with like this crime syndicate of Santa Clauses. And as I was watching the the fight go on, I was like, "This should be." much more fun than it is yeah but it's not like i don't know if it's like played too straight or it's the soundtrack or the editing or something like it just didn't work for me but like looking at it on paper i'm like a guy looking for a toy for his kid comes across a crime syndicate of santa claus is like this could be like a family guy joke this yeah. this could be like wild wacky zany could be a simpsons joke it's, it's good enough to be a, good enough to be a simpsons joke oh and yeah it's just uh we don't have to settle for a family guy joke it could be a simpsons no, 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 joke no. we're like um, the, the vietnam vet guy who's like hey, yeah i got your toy over here like yeah, that that guy uh, shows yeah, up oh yeah yeah the guy god he's introduced way early in the simpsons in the the like the the war episode the guy's mm-hmm. missing an arm yeah. yeah, he's got yeah. one arm. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, he's there yeah. in that night where they're playing poker, and like, uh, there's the, the joke like, yeah, Homer, I'm kind of worried about the beer supply. Yeah. After this case of beer, and the next case of beer, we've only got one case of beer. Like, <laughs> Oh, I was... That's great. I was thinking of the other... I think it's a way later season episode where like they're playing poker and they make a joke about Homer being slow and they like the camera zooms into his head to make a comeback and he finally makes a comeback and it's like pans out and most taverns empty. It's just him and Mo cleaning a glass. It's like, Homer, you still here? Jeez, you are slow. I'm closing up shop. <laughs> oh man, now I just want to watch The Simpsons. I guess if Jingle All the Way did one thing right, it makes me want to go watch it The Simpsons. It makes me want to watch The Simpsons. Yeah, there so, we go. Um, but yeah, you're right. On paper, there's a lot of good potential set pieces in this movie. They're just not executed very well. Um, no. And and like I said, I think I think it's overall message that consumerism is the hero is is really evil and insidious. And we, we before we pivot because I know we, in the interest of time we gotta wrap this episode up. But um, there's a post credit stinger. Did you? Yes. Did you, <laughs> like, yes. Which is insane. Um, 
I, I didn't even Where like, Nick Fury shows up and tries to recruit uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger Howard. for the Avengers. Uh, re- recruit Turbo Man for the uh, Avengers initiative. <laughs> Dude, could you imagine the uh, Marvel Studios? One of those Comic Con reveals of the next twenty years of Marvel movies or whatever, like Turbo Man. <laughs> yeah, with it, like the next one that's listed is Iron Man. It doesn't say until like two thousand eight or whenever that movie came out. Like, holy shit, they're planning this way in advance. But it's, uh, uh, you know, he's putting the star up on the tree, which is like a big thing, which I, I thought was odd where they were like, you know, decorating the tree. And, and Rita Wilson tells Phil Hartman, like, well, Howard always does the star. He insists. I'm like, it's Christmas Eve. Like, it's November that we're recording now and our tree is already up. So, like, what? Why are you waiting until christmas eve to do to put the uh, star like decorate your tree yeah weird fucking weirdos dude like (laughs) uh your 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 theory about uh, phil hartman being a serial killer in this is starting to make more and more sense as as we go along looking for entries he's he's got all sorts of things to to swoon you but at the ending so he's putting the star on the tree jamie's all excited oh we also didn't mention the plot point it doesn't really matter but jamie gives the turbo man doll to sinbad at the end yeah. Um, you know, ultimately, uh, where he's like, I don't... Because like, he has an arc. Yeah. Not Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, Sinbad actually gets the, has the arc. Uh, and, and, uh, and, uh... And so does his son. Yeah, his son goes like, uh, Arnold goes like, are you sure? He's like, why, why have the Sherman Man doll when I have the real thing at home? Arnold being in the suit, so. Yeah. Uh, but, which again, gives Arnold the, the excuse to never, not learn a single lesson because he just happened. And he can continue to be his son's hero. He, he because literally embodies his son's hero. As Turbo Man, even though he completely stumbled upon it by happenstance. Um, anyway, so Rita Wilson says, like, you know, like, you're willing to go all these lengths to, to do this gift for Jamie, which again, he didn't. It happened all by accident. Yeah. Um, so he's, she's like, it makes me wonder... What did you get for me? Uh, and then, the, yeah, the, the look on his face and the camera, like, dollies in super zooms blue. on his yeah. face, yeah. <laughs> and then that which, co- is, which is just like, you don't give a single solitary shit about your family. No. If you don't get him anything for Christmas at all, like... Yeah. Like, I forgot to get my wife a gift. Like, dude. For Christmas? It's like it's not like it's an anniversary, man. It's Christmas. Once again, once again I've already gotten my wife's gifts. It's November. Like, yeah. come on, dude. Like, get get with the program. It's insane. Ah, oh, fuck these movies, dude. I'm... And I, I don't know if that's, like, <laughs> millennial mentality. And, like, maybe we're just, like, conditioned to be ahead of the game. And, and boomers were just, like, who? Well, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Hold on. Wait a second. Things are starting to fall into place. <laughs> I, I think, no, no, wait, I now think, that I think about it. I, don't, I think whatever your question was, you answered it. I, I, no, yeah, I, I answered it, actually. I, like, midway through the sentence. Like, wait, no, actually. Uh. You're like, no, I, it makes a lot of sense now. I get it. I get it. Um, but, oh, boy. So, I guess, before we wrap this up, where would you rank these movies if you absolutely had to do it? I'd, like, gun to my head, pull the trigger. But if I had to... <laughs> If I actually had to contemplate <laughs> these movies, I'm gonna have to say Jack Frost is the good. Is probably my good. Mine too. That's where I would put it. I'd put Jack Frost as the good. It's it's the and most. It started as the bad. Like full disclosure for everybody that yeah. listened in the episode. Well, like you said at the beginning, it, we based it on memory and critical consensus, which yeah. I, I guess we didn't really like draw upon. Um, which I'll just say it quick, uh, but we both had a similar experience where 
We both think we've watched the movie. We didn't really have a good memory of actually seeing it, but I think we both had a hazy memory of potentially, but we both remember the trailer very vividly from the VHS tape of Batman and Robin, which is ironic because George Clooney dropped out of that movie to star in that movie. Um, But after watching it, I was like, I have seen this, but I didn't remember any recollection of it. No. Um, But it is, I would agree because it is the most wholesome and the least offensive and has the best performances Oh, yeah. It's still pretty bland, but it's got the best things, I guess. It has the best message. Like, we're going to talk about, like, movies that are talking about, like, Christmas and Christmas spirit. And, like, like, Michael Keaton is not a a deadbeat dad. Like, he's, he's, he's a good guy. And it's, like, a tragic thing that happens. Exactly. And they have, like one final day together which is like bittersweet and and like the the emotional punches that they're going for they don't you know maybe you know hit or they at least didn't hit me in in that correct way but like sure in comparison to the other movies both dads are like pieces of shit and both of them are just ultimate deadbeat dad wish fulfillment where neither of them need to learn a lesson and they get superpowers at the end of the movie that make them the hero even though they never had to try Yes. So it's agreed. like two of these movies are fucking evil. And yes. one of them actually tried to tell an emotional story. Yeah. I'm with that you. one wins. I it, by by I'm not going to say by a landslide because it's a very like it's a very even playing by field. By an avalanche? Oh. Though they do play landslide in uh They Death do. <laughs> sad, sad building a snowman montage to uh landslide. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of those moments I was starting to like tear up a little bit. I was like, you didn't earn it and I hate you for it, but I'm tearing up. No, they earned it by playing landslide. That's, like, that's true. That's, yeah, that's yeah. all they got to do. True. I would agree with that. But yeah, I'd say Jack Frost is the good. I think we're both probably leaning towards the Santa Claus is the bad. I'm leaning towards the Santa Claus is the bad. Yeah. yeah. It, after, after that first third of the movie, it, it's, it completely peters out. And, it takes a downturn. And, yeah. It takes a huge downturn. And Jingle All the Way... I will also stand by being evil, but it's, but it's bonkers. And that gets it. Bonkers is still a qualifier for a what? Yeah. It, it tries something fun. And I, I don't think that the, the attempt lands, but they at least yeah. attempted it. And I don't think they, they, they don't attempt. Here's where I would go where like Jack Frost is the most heartfelt. And I think it genuinely is despite its misgivings. The Santa Claus tries to be heartfelt. And I think it misses the mark horribly and I don't think Jingle All the Way is going for heartfelt at all. Um, you know, it's it's going for madcap comedy, and I don't really think it su- succeeds at that. But it's a different bar of what it's trying to do right. versus the other two. Um, but it still fits the theme of our episode. So, but it, it I don't know. It's weird enough. Arnold Schwarzenegger is weird, and like it's just a weird movie all the way around. It's Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean, like yeah. this is also is three years after. The last action hero uh yes um, it'd be three yep so he's already at the point where he's like starting to satirize himself yeah and and become self-aware and, and do these kinds of roles and, and I, I mean last action hero coming soon to a good bad what near you so I is kinder- so is kindergarten cop good <laughs> we, like we need to get into this era of, of schwarzenegger because it's really fun but like i see what he's trying to do yeah, I see where when he read the script, he thought it was going to be something along the lines of those movies, but it didn't. It didn't quite, you know, come to fruition. But like, he took the swing. I he gotta took respect the swing. it. Me too. And it's it's got even if they don't land, it's got a really stacked comedic cast in it too. Yeah. So, 
you know, so it's, it's, but it's also evil at its core at the same time. So, uh, Merry Christmas. What a great start to the holiday season. (laughs) Three movies, three movies that were ho ho horrible. Um, (laughs) but, uh, how long have you had that in your pocket? A while, a while. You were waiting for, I was waiting for, I think I came up with it like two days ago. So I was, okay, well, respect. Um, But uh, hopefully we'll turn the tides a little bit uh, here. Yeah. Um, So you're listening to this episode on December 1st, and we have a couple episodes to tease here. Mm. Um, So next week would be a Patreon episode. And um, there's a lot of new releases out. Just straight up. I'm not going to lie. There's a lot of new releases up. Neither of us have really caught up with everything that's out. Um, How could you? How could you, really? But we're going to do, we're probably going to do like a, a sort of round table of some movies that we've seen recently. But the primary focus of the discussion is probably going to be Saltburn, the latest film from uh, Emerald Fennel, who directed Promising Young Woman from a few years ago. It's a very polarizing movie. Um, it, a lot of people are talking about it in the film circles. So uh, we're going to add to the discussion and we're going to have a guest join us on this episode. Uh, if you are a Patreon subscriber, our friend Jordan Perry is going to join us, uh, who talked with us on our Indiana Jones retrospective. So, uh, you can subscribe to us at our Patreon for just a dollar and catch that. Um, Oh, Uno Dinero. Uno Dinero. Uh, there's a few other movies we'll talk about uh, that we're leaning toward. We'll probably talk about holdovers, the new Alexander Payne movie. We're probably going to talk about the killer, the new David Fincher movie, and probably a few other movies here and there. Um, so that'll come to you on December 8th and on December 15th. Uh, it's another holiday pick. They're my picks this time. And we're going to return to the world of horror. Um, surprise, surprise. But then <laughs> weird. We're, we, yeah. Shocker. Um, and there's no real way of saying it without saying the picks. So yeah. I was, we're going to talk about all three black Christmases. So the original black Christmas from 1974, the 2006 uh, like splattery remake and the 2019 uh, socially conscious uh, uh, one. So um, I, I'm purposely not saying my opinion about any of them because at the very least we'll try and keep where they're at categorized a surprise. But uh, but we're going to be mean, talking. You never know. The, the bad and the what would just be pretty interchangeable for a lot of people, I bet. Sure. So, uh, let's just put it that way. I was going to uh, say, like, the good should be pretty well defined. Well, the good is, com- I mean, yes. But uh, <laughs> I, 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 I'm purposely being vague about the other two. Um, I haven't the, seen the other two, so I'm curious oh. to see if our, uh, our uh, views line up. We'll see. We'll get there. But in the meantime, you can find us, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and many others. You can subscribe to us on Patreon at patreon.com slash goodbadwhat, just $1. You can follow us on Instagram at thegoodbadwhat, or you can email us at thegoodthebadthewhat at gmail.com. Our logo comes from Michelle Parkos, and our theme music comes from Paco, whose portfolio on SoundCloud Leaky. You can find in the show notes, respectively. Chris, where can more people find you online? Yeah, I'm on Letterboxd at C underscore T-H-O-M. And I am on Letterbox at Ryan underscore Oliver. I am on Threads at Riley90. That's R-Y-O-L-L-I-E 90. And I am on Blue Sky Social at just Riley minus the 90. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week on our Patreon feed with a discussion about Saltburn and others. And we'll be back December 15th with a discussion about all three Black Christmases. Mm-hmm.